Welcome to Life on Less Meds, a podcast that reveals the truth about drug side effects and the best strategies to manage them. And now your host, Dr. Yosef Wittering. Hi, I'm Dr. Yosef Wittering. It's my pleasure to be joined by Laura Vigiano uh, today. She's a, a licensed clinical social worker, and uh, she has a really interesting story to tell. She had a very close call um, with a antidepressant withdrawal injury where reinstatement um, was able to, um, I guess, stop the akathisia and then, and she recovered from it. Um, she also shares very interesting perspectives because she in fact worked in, uh, uh, in psychiatric hospitals and outpatient units for 18 years doing psychotherapy. Uh, and since then, she's also been a moderator for several Facebook groups as well and uh, concerning drug injuries. And she just has a wealth of, uh, uh, knowledge and experience. So, so welcome, Laura. And uh, I'm going to dive right into it and ask. Uh, please uh, tell us what happened to you. Um. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's it's okay. Just take. Talk. That's all you take a moment. About. Um, I'm going to look like a Looney Tune. <laughs> No, it's okay. This is, it's all very emotional stuff and you're not the first one to get emotional talking about this. So it's okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the work you do. Okay. So I worked, I was, I worked in a psychiatric hospital in both inpatient and outpatient, primarily outpatient, but it was it was outpatient day program. So people were there six hours a day for two weeks. Everybody was on meds, multiple psych meds. And I had treatment teams with the psychiatrists almost every day while also doing some work in the inpatient. Um, so while I was still working, I developed a chronic illness called chronic fatigue syndrome and a psychiatrist told me that Cymbalta was a good drug for that. Now, I had been depressed in the past. I had been on a number of antidepressants and never had a problem stopping them. They all made me hypomanic, which in retrospect was a huge problem. I made decisions I never would have made if I hadn't been hypomanic. And I'm very lucky I did not lose my child and did not lose my job. So that's that's one very prevalent problem with antidepressants. And frequently psychiatrists diagnose people with bipolar who have a manic or hypomanic episode, but it's a side effect of the antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And I was diagnosed as bipolar. I never went on any of the mood stabilizers, thank God, because they're very toxic. Um, but Anyway, so that's another that's another part of my history with antidepressants. There, it's a common. I since have I've since learned how common it is, a side effect, and and it is a big problem, because then people get diagnosed bipolar and they get put on bipolar meds when really it's a side effect of the medication. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so years went by. I was on I, I was on and off antidepressants, and at the time that I got chronic fatigue syndrome and was still working in the hospital and this, and my psychiatrist friend suggested Cymbalta. I was not depressed. I was not in pain. 
um, which are the two major reasons Cymbalta is prescribed, it's now the go-to drug to treat fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. There are probably more people in the Cymbalta taper group with fibromyalgia than depression. Yes. So anyway, I didn't have depression. I didn't have pain. I'm one of the lucky ones with CF chronic fatigue syndrome who don't have pain. But on his recommendation, I said, oh, well, sure. I'll, I'll take Cymbalta. So I was on it. I'm still on it. I'm still tapering. I'm down to three, three microbeads. And it's taking me a year to get off the four microbeads. I'm, dro I'm now dropping one bead every three months, but I'll talk about that later. So anyway, I get on the Cymbalta, years go by, it never does anything for my chronic fatigue syndrome. As a matter of fact, I get so bad, I have to stop working. I've been disabled for eight years. But when I tried to go off Cymbalta, when I, at a certain, I really never saw psychiatrists. I always had my Cymbalta prescribed by my regular physician. Mm -hmm. So when I talked to my regular physician about going off it, she did not want me to go off it. She thought it helped my chronic fatigue syndrome. It did not help my chronic fatigue syndrome. So without her knowledge, I went off it. I think I skipped a couple doses and then I just stopped taking it. I was taking 60 milligrams, which nowadays is not a high dose. A lot of mm. people are on 120 milligrams. Yes. So I, I stopped at cold turkey and I got command hallucinations in 24 hours to kill myself. Maybe, no, maybe like two days mm -hmm. to kill myself. It was terrifying. It was a voice in my head telling me to kill myself immediately went back on it, didn't know what to do, stayed on it another few years, finally found this group on Facebook called Cymbalta Hurts Worse and learned how to open the capsules, count the microbeads and gradually reduce 5% every two weeks. Although back then it was 10%. You were allowed to do 10%, seven every seven to 10 days. So I did that got off the Cymbalta in eight months, didn't have one warning sign, one withdrawal warning sign telling me I was going too fast. Six weeks after I was coming, and I felt great. I was like, whoa, I'm off Cymbalta. This is great. It didn't, I think it had made me gain a lot of weight. So I was happy about to be off it. Felt terrific, not depressed, not anxious. Was having weird bursting into tears episodes not ever when I was alone, only in interactions with others. And they were very bizarre because there was no warning I was gonna burst into tears. And I, I never experienced anything like it, but I didn't think, never ever thought, oh, this is because I went off Cymbalta. So then uh, six weeks, I'm off the Cymbalta, six weeks I get hit with akathisia. I had to pace, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. I was hungry, but it was like, you know how when you get really anxious, you don't feel like eating? It was like that magnified times 100. I could not put food in my mouth. So I forced myself to drink broth. And now I knew what had happened. I knew it was withdrawals from the Cymbalta. I got delayed withdrawals, which is also very common and can happen weeks to months after someone goes off Cymbalta too quickly. Yeah. And just to kind of jump in there, because I think that's yes. a really interesting point. That yes. is um, that is a real curiosity about this, because 
I hear this again and again, and I've seen it in my patients. You know, we will finish an antidepressant taper and they'll be fine. And then six weeks later, that's when the, you know, it really, uh, the, the problems really common. kick in. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, and I don't really, I, I, I'm trying to think about a way to understand that, but it's, it's hard. I mean, you, the only thing, have you, yeah. have you seen Anders Sorensen's research? No, no, I haven't. You've got to, you must uh, learn about him. He did some research. I, it's not that recent now, but I recently learned about it where he learned he, he has charted the occupancy in the brain of the drug and of Cymbalta. I don't know if he's done it for other drugs. And he discovered, this is so exciting to me, that it's at the very tail end of the taper that most of the brain's receptors are opening. That's why when I got down to nine microbeads, I've been tapering. I did late reinstatement. I was successful with 30 milligrams after I got hit with the akathisia, which was absolutely horrific. And I was going to kill myself if, if late reinstatement had worked. I had, to pl- uh, I had to play around with the doses. But anyway, Anders has, has discovered it's, it's fascinating. Yeah that this is when most of the receptors are opening. And that's why now at four microbeads, when you think, oh, I can just stop taking it. I'm down to 10 microbeads. I'm down to two milligrams. What does it matter? And this is what doctors think. Doctors think if you're on 20 milligrams, that's a low dose. It's at 20 milligrams that the real danger when you start to go off it comes. I, I, yeah, I, I've, I've heard a lot about that, about that, but I guess the thing oh, you that have. I find okay. interesting is like, why wouldn't it be, say, you know, a week after you finish, you know, yeah. the, the two beads? Why is there this? Because by that time, I mean, the drug is out of your system, but then there's this kind of this delay for another month before it really kicks in. That's the curiosity part for me. And and I just think that's very interesting that that happened to you because I've seen it with several of my patients. But please, um, yeah, pl- yeah pl- please go on. So. So you realized yeah, that you were in Cymbalta withdrawal. Me, yeah. Interrupt me whenever you want, because I'll just keep talking. Okay. Um, okay. So I got this horrific akathisia, and I want to list. I want to list the symptoms. My arms and back felt burned in a fire. I later learned that's called paresthesia, which I'm sure you know about. It wasn't painful, but it was really weird. So the only way I can describe it is they felt burned in a fire. I could not eat, I could not sleep, I had to pace, I couldn't focus my vision, my vision was blurry. And my brain, it's really weird, it's hard to describe, my brain felt huge. I just felt like I was nothing but brain. And then a week after that, I got hit with a fatigue so profound, I could barely stand or walk. It felt like there were 50 pound weights. Have you heard of this? People describing this symptom? It's really strange. Felt like there were 50 pound weights strapped to my legs. Now here's a woman. I I was practically bed bound with chronic fatigue syndrome. And I never felt fatigue like this. And because of my years being bed bound with chronic fatigue syndrome and now getting hit with this fatigue, that that was it. The the Cymbalta Hurts Worst group at that time warned, 
You cannot reinstate past two to three weeks. You could get suicidal or homicidal because there was a case where a man became homicidal. So, but I was desperate. So I reinstated. Uh, I, I what, did you reinsta- what did you reinstate at? Okay, that's a good question. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. So I Googled and I found something. I cannot remember what I found and I don't know if I can find it again, but it gave me a formula for how to figure out what to, re-indo- re- what to reinstate. And it said, don't go too low. So I used the formula and I tried 40 milligrams. So originally my dose was 60. I tried 40. It made parts of the akathisia much worse. Now it got rid of the fatigue, which was a huge relief, but now I really couldn't sit still. I had to pace and my brain felt lit. And throughout all of this, it was so strange. You know, I've had, I'm not an anxious person. I don't, I don't, I don't have a history of anxiety, but I have a history of depressed mood. And throughout all of this, I was not depressed. I felt, I felt really rational, ultra rational. Like I've never felt so rational in my life. And I was just watching what was happening and trying to breathe, use meditation techniques to deal with it. And, you know, how was I going to figure this out? I was not upset. It's very odd. Um, so then I reinstated the 40. It made the, some parts of the akathisia worse, but it made some things better. Like it got rid of that horrific fatigue where I couldn't stand or walk. So I felt like I'd made the right decision. So then the next day I tried 20 and I stayed on 20 for a week, but it, the fatigue came back. I couldn't get up off the couch. So then I, oh, here's the other thing. You have to be very careful about increasing and decreasing the dose. The brain craves stability. And I knew this, I knew from the group, you don't, it doesn't like jumping around in the dose. So I was very cautious about moving my dose around, but I changed it twice. I added, so I changed it from 40 to 20. That wasn't enough. I added 15 microbeads that brought me to a hundred, which was just under 30 milligrams. And that's what I stayed on. And gradually Mm -hmm. three months, I got better. The last thing to go was the profound fatigue. And then I started tapering. How long did it take for your, for those symptoms to settle after you began reinstating? Was it a week or two weeks? Yeah. After I started reinstating every day, it got a tiny bit better. And I kept a journal. This is important for people to know. When you have, when you're having any kind of problem with a med, keep a journal. It's the only way to know for you to see what's happening with your symptoms. Otherwise you're not, you can't really tell from day to day. So I kept a journal and grad. Oh, the other thing was this dizziness, this massive dizzy headache that was so uncomfortable. And so I kept a journal and gradually the dizziness went away. I would say, I'd say in two weeks, it was an, a big improvement, but I remember a cousin came to visit and I'd really been looking forward to his visit. And I was, I was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have chronic fatigue syndrome, so I have a wheelchair, but I normally don't use it for little, sure. you know, okay. little distances, but I was in the wheelchair and I was not good. I was shaky and I wasn't myself. And that was, I don't know, that was probably three or four weeks into it. 
And so you went, so after, so eventually you, you got back to baseline, it sounds yes. like. After, yeah. And yes, then, to, so tell us about how you've tapered since that time. I love talking about this. Yeah. Because it's so ingenious and it's so important and people don't know this. Doctors don't know it. and People on Cymbalta don't know it. How would they ever figure this out? Because doctors and pharmacists think a lot, some, maybe not all, but some think if you open the capsule and take out the microbeads, you're somehow compromising the microbeads. It's not true. It's the, it's the only way to go off a drug like Cymbalta. You have to do it so slowly. Here. There's one more thing I want to mention before I talk about how to taper. You and I, we just talked about delayed withdrawals. This is the thing. A lot of people come into the Cymbalta Hertz Worst group. There's 30, 36,000 people in the group now. There were 33,000 two years ago. 36,000, that's a drop in the bucket for the millions and millions of people that are on this drug. Mm -hmm. Makes me so sad that are on this drug all over the world who don't, don't, can't get off it safely. So anyway, here's the thing to know. People would come to the group, we'd explain how to taper, and it takes years. It's going to take me six years to taper off. And they don't want to do it. They're, they're like, they're shocked. Or, and maybe they dropped from 60 to 40, and they didn't have withdrawals. The problem is this delayed withdrawal thing. You don't know. You don't know if you're going to be one of the ones who gets hit with delayed withdrawals when late reinstatement is so difficult. So that's yeah, and why it, and it's it's not just difficult. I mean, it's unpredictable. Not everyone, you know, it, late yeah, reinstatement it, won't work for everyone. It's in my experience, it's rare that it works. Yeah. In the little bit of mm -hmm. people I've tried to help, anyway. So that's why. Even if, you know, you're doubtful, oh, I've gone off other meds, this didn't happen. This is, this is the problem. You won't get warning signs and then it, it'll be too late and you'll get protracted acute withdrawal syndrome, which on the average takes two to three years to recover from. Many people, it takes longer. People are lying in bed in a dark room for two years. That's how bad protracted acute withdrawal syndrome is. They can't so, function. They're disabled. Their families don't believe them because doctors tell them there's nothing wrong with you. So they come home and they say, doctor says there's nothing wrong with me. Their families give up on them. They lose their jobs. People become homeless. And, and so when you started tapering again, what was the pace that you thought that you landed upon that was, that was good for you? Okay. Okay. Here's yeah. the thing. It's, it's not a matter of what's, good for somebody. Because as I said, you can go through your whole taper. I did it in eight months, didn't have one withdrawal sign that I was going too fast because I was doing 10% every seven days. So you must follow the taper instructions, which Cymbalta hurts worse. That group has developed. It was developed eight years ago by two psychiatrists, Dr. Peter Brennan. And oh gosh, I could never remember the, a woman a woman psychiatrist, along with the founder of the group, Tony Samani. They developed this way to do it. And what you do is you open your capsule, you either count or weigh the microbeads, and you drop 5% every two weeks. So 
there are many different brands, generic brands of Cymbalta, and they all have a different number of beads. And some of the brands will have five large micro beads, five large beads. You cannot taper with beads that are five milligrams. It's too big a drop. So then you have to change brands. And the group has a list of brands that have the micro beads. You have to change brands and get a brand that has micro beads. And if you have like 400, 500 micro beads in your capsule, you probably want to weigh, get it. You get a jeweler scale. The group tells you what kind of scale to get. Um, here's the other horrible thing about this. Some people get withdrawals when they change brands. And that happened to me. I was on this, Walgreens was giving me the same brand for 14 years and suddenly I got a different brand. I didn't think anything of it. Was I in the group then? I don't know. I can't remember. can't remember if I was in the group. So then. sticking to one anyway, brand is, is ideal. A, yeah. I got a different brand and I got withdrawals. And um, I had to, they, uh, Walgreens couldn't get my brand anymore. A Janta. I had to, I called every drugstore in my town. Nobody could get me a Janta. Finally, I found a drugstore called Family Pharmacy that specializes in, comp it's a compounding pharmacy, and they've been ordering it for me ever since, and they mail it to me. Okay. But that was another life and death situation. I had to get a Janta. Who knew I, I could have gotten paused from that? I could have had a protracted acute withdrawal syndrome for years from that, from changing brands. Okay. So, so since then, was that pretty consistent for you you did five percent every two weeks when once i reinstated on the on a little yeah. bit under 30 milligrams i did follow the directions to a t i did five percent held each drop for the full two weeks had no symptoms oh at 50 beads the taper instructions tell you to stop start dropping one bead every two weeks when you get to 30 to be extra safe i started to drop because of my Acathesia incident, I started to drop one bead at 50 beads. So now when I got to nine beads, I started to get the bursting into tears thing, but not, not bursting into tears. My voice would crack when I would try to compliment someone. I tried to yell over my fence to my neighbor what a good grandma she was, and I couldn't talk. I was, my voice cracked and I was going to start to cry because it moved me to tell her she was a good grandma. And I, I, I wasn't quite sure, is this a withdrawal syndrome? And then it kind of happened a few more times. It wasn't as, I wasn't bursting into tears. My voice was cracking. So I knew. Let I me ask you this. So when you drop to one bead, roughly how many milligrams of Cymbalta are you when they tell you to slow the rate? That's a very good question because for everybody, it's different. Mm -hmm. If Because my 60 milligrams only have 220 beads in them. Each of my beads is 0.27 milligrams. Mm -hmm. For somebody who has 400 beads in their 60 milligram, their bead is going to be a much lower dose. So their taper is actually going to go slower than mine. I can't go slower than 0.27 milligrams for each drop because that's what each bead is. And you can't smash the beads. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how far through the going down the 20 were you when you decided that you wanted to slow down the rate? 
were you halfway through, two thirds through? How, how of the milligrams? How... Yeah. Of milligrams? Okay, here. I'm, I can't do it in my head. Let me just real quick with my calculator tell you. So at, so at 50, when I started to slow down, I was at 13 and a half milligrams. Okay. So that was just to be safe. Third. No withdrawal yeah. symptoms. Now, when the withdrawal symptoms hit, the weird cracking of my voice going to burst into tears. I was at 2.43 milligrams. That's when I started to get a withdrawal symptom. And did you hold at that time or did you keep yes. on going? No, okay. no, no. You have to, if you start to get a withdrawal symptom, you must hold and then you must proceed at a slower rate. So at nine beads, 2.43 milligrams, when I started to get the weird crack voice cracking, going to cry. I started to drop one bead a month. It helped, but it was still happening. So when I got to four beads, I started to drop one bead every three months. And I thought the crying was all gone until I started until this interview. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the, the one bead, the one now at four beads, one bead every three months, I know I can compliment somebody. Here's, here's my test. I was in an elevator and there was a woman with a very old dog. I'm going to start to, oh God, I might get tearful. But I, I was able to compliment her on her care for her 19-year-old dog without my voice cracking. So then okay. I knew my my dropping one beat a month is working because I could say, oh, you're doing, you take such good care of that dog. That's the kind of thing that I would have started crying. Sure. Okay. And you know, since you've been, uh, you know, involved in a lot of the antidepressant support groups and, you know, you've been moderators on some of them, ha have you seen some people where this, where this plan, you know, despite following it, they, they still yes. end up with yes. the problems? Oh my okay. God, you ask all the right questions. This is yeah. the most, this is the very tragic thing in the group. There are people who follow the taper instructions. I am very lucky that if I follow the tapered instructions and I listen to my body when I get a withdrawal symptom and I slow down, I'm good. Like here I am dropping one bead every three months and I'm stable. You know, I feel this is working. There are people, there's, a, I read the other day, there's a woman on, um, she had to hold at 35 beads for a year. Mm -hmm. There are people who every drop from even from when they start their taper, their first drop, mm -hmm. they get withdrawal symptoms. Those people, it's almost, it almost seems like it's it will be impossible for them to get off. And they're looking at years if they can even do it. They suffer yeah, with withdrawal symptoms, even though they follow the directions and, and even, and hold. And they're, yeah. and they're, they're, what can I say? They, they post on the group, uh, I don't know the word to use, just desperate, desperate for help. What do I do? Do I go back up? Because the group is very careful about telling people. Sometimes they'll tell people, all right, you're still suffering. You've been holding this long. Try going up a bead and see if that helps. It's, it's really tricky. It's very tricky stuff. Yeah, I have a theory about that. Um, well, it's just a theory. I mean, I... I'm going to caution, this isn't an explanation for everyone, but in, in my cohort of patients who I treat, you know, when I have some patients who respond to every single drop 
I guess, with a worsening of symptoms. They have a few things in common. One, they have severe symptoms at baseline. Typically, they are, you know, they they their protracted withdrawal symptoms are, are are pretty nasty. And then, I also think that they they have like a PTSD type reaction to drops because a, a lot of these folks, if you get their history, um, they may have been injured doing, you know, in a detox type of setting or when they've rapidly uh, decreased their dose. And so they have this association with, oh my God, you know, if I drop this, if I drop, things are going to get terrible because they've been injured in that way. And so, you know, they're already doing really poorly because they have pretty severe post-acute withdrawal. And then they, you know, they have this, almost this trauma reaction every time they do a drop. And these drops can be minuscule. I mean, they could be like a 1% drop or something like that, but it's still that same reaction. And I guess yes. the way that, uh, you know, I, I wonder what, you know, is happening with them is, yeah, it's a combination of a kind of a trauma reaction that floods them with adrenaline and then it makes them feel worse for several days. And then they, and that's, and they think, you know, every tiny drop. Um, yes. I can them. imagine they would dread if they've, if they get worsening of symptoms of course, they're going to dread any drop. It's going mm-hmm. to produce fear. And then there's a cohort of you know of that group who might do well on a blind taper. You know, some people you put them on what, a blind taper is, and they Dr. hate Yosef, it. What's a blind taper? I just saw that recently. Yeah. I don't know what so, that is. So blind taper is where a doctor will write a script to a pharmacist and. For the sake of it, let's say we're talking about trazodone and someone wants to go from 75 to 50. I would write a script that says, you know, trazodone, 75 to 50 milligrams. And then in my directions, I would say, you know, 70 milligrams for 10 days, 65 for 20 days, 60 for 10 days, and um, so on and so forth down to 50. And then I would get a release from the patient, you know, to give to the pharmacy saying, you know, I, the patient, understand that. I will not know the dose of the medications. I know that they will be between oh. this and this, and I'm the only one that knows what it is. Oh, okay. And so it gets dispensed by a pharmacist in a box where all of the pills look the same. Oh, and then, okay. And then that way they don't actually know when the drop is happening and they're less yes. likely to, to, to have all of that anticipatory anxiety when the yeah, drop day yeah. comes. So. Oh, that's good. Some people like it. Some people hate not knowing. So, I mean, yes, it's, yes. again, it's not this thing that's that works for everyone, but I have seen it be successful in, in some of my patients. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for explaining yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So um, I think, you know, what, what I think would be really nice to ask you about is how your perspective on psychiatric medications changed throughout your career, you know, from, from what you saw when you were working in these hospitals to, I guess, you know, your perspective now having gone through this and, and, and being in those groups. Thank God I don't work in the psychiatric hospital anymore. Thank God I got chronic fatigue syndrome before I found out all this stuff, all these dangers, because I don't see how I could work there. Um, since, so, so I'm, you know, I'm going along, I'm working, I was a psychiatric social worker, my whole 28 year career. So most of the patients and clients I saw were on psychotropic meds, I myself was on a handful of antidepressants. Um, and I thought they were benign. You know, I, 
I had no idea. I had no idea about withdrawals or the terrible side effects I about permanent sexual dysfunction in both men and women. Um, I had no idea until mm-hmm. I myself tried to go off Cymbalta, was part of this group. When I first joined the Cymbalta Hurts Worst group, I still had no idea what the dangers were. And I got the taper instructions and that was it. I didn't, I didn't pay any more. I didn't log into the group every day. I I didn't pay any attention to the group. I got my taper instructions and off I went. And then I got the delayed withdrawals and I got the akathisia and I was shocked that because I had been reading the post in the group before this happened to me thinking, huh, what are these people talking about? Their liver is damaged. Their vision is damaged. Um, They can't get off the drug. You know, I, I really had huge skepticism because here I'd worked in the hospital for 18 years and never heard a word about any of this. So then this happened, then this happened to me. And then I woke up and then I was totally involved with the group. I became a moderator because I didn't want anyone, anyone else to ever go through what I I went through. And the fact that I had no warning symptoms that I was going too fast really struck me as people have to know this. They have to hear this because people still to this day in the group, people will say, I'm going to, I'm going faster now because I'm not having any withdrawals. And I get so alarmed and I'll write, you can't do that. This is what happened to me. So, um, Anyway, so how did it change? So then, then I got involved in, the, in a moderators group where I learned these dangers are with all the antidepressants. Then I got involved in a akathisia support group and learned it, the, the, the akathisia group, sadly, is called living with akathisia. I cannot imagine living with akathisia. And in the short time that I was in the group, the, the first three months, the first four months I was in the group, three people committed suicide. Um, so my my feeling now is this education that I've had about learning about the the side effects that can damage someone. This is another thing about Cymbalta. It can damage the liver. It can cause diabetes. It can cause high blood pressure. It, dam- it can damage vision. Doesn't mean this is going to happen to people, but it can happen. I've been on it 15 years. I never had any side effects. But when you get, or serotonin syndrome, one of my friends was on gabapentin. Am I saying it right? Yeah, you are. For a second, I couldn't remember. And Cymbalta, she got serotonin syndrome. She was in ICU. She was almost almost killed. She had to stop a Cymbalta and gabapentin cold turkey. She then had protracted withdrawals for two years. So there were reasons you might have to go off an antidepressant suddenly. You won't have the luxury of tapering. And then you run the risk of getting cause. So with all of this, I, I hope I've ex- explained enough about what I learned. Yeah, from I my guess. Experience. I, did, did I now you, believe they are not mm-hmm. benign. I believe yeah. that they are handed out like candy and people are not. Can you imagine if someone was told what the risks were that you could get permanent sexual dysfunction 
Yeah, I mean, there's something really interesting. Withdrawal syndrome for years and be disabled and never recover. Anyone who's had pause is never fully 100% again. Can you imagine anybody would say, oh, yes, sign me up for that? No, there's so many. All the times I was on an antidepressant, now that I have learned this, I will never, ever take another antidepressant again. I will do whatever it takes to deal with depressed mood naturally. Mm. Adopt a dog. Therapy, exercise, um, healthy diet. There are well, tell, lots tell of me ways about... to treat depression naturally. Before, well, unless unless the person's catatonic or is going to kill themselves, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Hand them out so casually. How? They're, they're not. What benign. was it like when? What was it like when you got prescribed it? You know, what what did you get in terms of informed consent oh, about none. the medication? Yeah. Oh, nothing. No word. Oh, that's what you want here. Okay. And you know, I, I would, when I wanted a drug, I would go and ask for it. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think I was ever, no, that's not true. There were the times I was depressed and uh, yeah, there were, I guess there were t- most of the time it was prescribed by a primary care physician. Sometimes I went to a psychiatrist, but yeah, no, there was not one word. This is why I'm so, I was so stunned to dive into mm-hmm. this world of the harm that, that these drugs cause. Okay. And what did you see when you were working in the psychiatric unit and the outpatient settings? Were you ever involved uh, in, I, I, were you ever a part, you know, in the room when the consenting was done for the medications, um, you know, to start things? I know sometimes some in the inpatient units that I used to work at, we do it uh, as a team, you know, the, the psychiatrist, the students, the social worker, the therapist, and kind of we do it. I, I I wonder if that was a similar experience for you or was it more kind of separate? No, I was in treatment teams almost yeah. every day of so the week. What, what did you see in terms of uh, consenting um, patients to meds and, and such? There was none. There was never yeah. one word of a warning. Not one. Yeah. I mean, that would kind of be with my experience as well. And people, if I, if I look, mm. But here, Dr. Yosef, what, what, what hope is there? People go into psychiatric hospitals for acute care. They're there. I don't know what it is now, but when I was there, it was two weeks, maybe three. You're lucky it to get five days now. Off, yeah. It takes years yeah. to taper off a med. And you know, if you if someone goes into the psychiatric hospital, they're they're usually on meds. For a lot of them, you know, they're they're frequent flyers. They're they're in it, they're they're often. Um, yeah, um, I, I would say. But but so because they go in, they're just taken off the med, put on another one because obviously whatever they're on isn't working because they're back in the hospital. It's not set up for slow tapers, and and the and the. The problem is, and the reason why I think this is going so long unrecognized is there are plenty of people who do just fine with, with these oh, rapid yes. changes. And so yes. I think for everyone, you know, this is me pulling numbers out of thin air right now. Yes. You know, yes. it might be one in 50, you know, who has, who develops this problem there. That means 49 people could walk through the doors of a psychiatric hospital, get ripped off Cymbalta, get put on another medication and, and they don't suffer these problems. And so the yes. doctors look at that and they go, you know, this is fine, but 
when you're looking at a medication where something like 10% of the US population is taking antidepressants, one in 50 is a massive amount. It is a massive amount of um, people getting injured, you know, kind of every day. So, and that's the other curiosity about the antidepressant injury and the benzo injuries is why is it only some people, you know, what, like what are the risk factors that predispose people to this? Because I don't think it's clearly dose or duration. You know, I've heard several people who have been on fairly low doses for short periods of time who have developed this. I've seen many people who have been on huge doses. I mean, I'm talking about Xanax abusers taking maybe upwards of 10 milligrams a day being rapidly withdrawn and and not developing the benzo injury. So there's this big under yeah. you know underlying susceptibility oh, which we don't know. You've raised yeah. you've raised such a good point. Hmm. It's up to 78% of people will get withdrawals from Cymbalta. And I think I think it's 18% of that 78% will be severe. But you're right. It's hit or miss. The, lots of people will not have a problem. Yeah. And so it's, you know, the antidepressant folks, they have it worse because at least in the benzo community, it's, it's you know, they have it in the label now that they yeah. can be protracted withdrawal. You know, it's, it's it's at least you could point to an authoritative you know um you know drug you know health authority and say this is something but you know in the US there's there's nothing about post acute withdrawal in any antidepressant uh drug labels and there's also nothing about PS, PSSD and and that's really interesting because in Canada and the EU the the drug labels now warn providers about PSSD but not in the US so Oh. that's that's really interesting as well because you're right if this stuff was in the label then a lot a lot of the doctors may you know they may if they read the label start saying well you know we could put you on this medication but i want you to know there's a serious risk that you could develop permanent sexual dysfunction and a lot of people would just say yeah no thank you um <laughs> but until right. that's kind of recognized by um a, you know one of the major health authorities i think people don't really um, take it seriously, but I, I I think that one's coming through the pipeline. I would like to hope so. Me too. Yeah. So, I guess you know, look, you know, I actually I've lost my train. Of, I've lost my train of thought. I I actually think I've uh, you've you've answered most of the questions that I've um you've, that you've I was asked, interested in asking you about. You've yeah. asked all the most pertinent, best questions for me to yeah. pass along the information that I wanted to convey. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to speak about before we kind of uh, come to the conclusion of the interview? If somebody wants to get off Cymbalta, I recommend the Facebook group Cymbalta Hurts Worse. Mm -hmm. It is the only place... It's the only source of the detailed enough information to get off Cymbalta safely. They also have a website that anybody can access and it has the detailed taper instructions. And that website is called Healing America Now. And you don't have to join the group to use that information. And I, I'm going to, you know, we're going to end the interview and I'm going to think of 10 things I wish I had said, but I can't think of them now. But yeah, I that's thank okay. you.
thanks very much for giving me this opportunity to tell my story because I want I want to warn people these drugs are not as safe as as they seem to be or as doctors I think that out. you know and and that's what I want you to, wanted you to come come on here and say because I just think it's it's wonderful to have someone who was actually in the psychiatric you know inpatient units and outpatient well, settings who's who's really now seeing this because here, but yeah. here's the thing you know, I look back on that and I can't tell you if someone was suffering from withdrawals or severe, well, side effects, yes, because then they were just given more drugs to treat the side effects. But I don't know if someone was suffering from withdrawals because there was no context for it. So if somebody told me in my therapy session with them that they were having a massive dizzy headache, I would think, well, it's a physiological problem because because there was no framework for me to know, oh, this might be from the, from withdrawals. It's, it's well said. I, I like to think in my training that understanding drug side effects was like the Rosetta Stone for me. You know, Once I understood what it was, I could finally interpret what was happening with the patients I was seeing because they're so rampant. Um, and they're always just like, you, you know, you spoke a lot at the beginning, you know, about hypomania and things getting misdiagnosed as bipolar disorder. I mean, it's once you understand drug side effects, I think you're a much better mental health practitioner. Um, and, and withdrawals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the withdrawal syndromes. All so right. I think, so thank you so much for coming. I'm go, I'm on the Healing America Now website and I'm, I'm going to dig into it and probably talk a lot more about it. Okay, please contact me via email if you have want any more information about tapering off Cymbalta. Great. We'll do. Thank you so right, much, Laura. You. And you have a nice Bye-bye. day. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to see the full video interview, we also post these to YouTube. Just go to Wittering Psychiatry on YouTube to find those. You'll also find several YouTube exclusive videos from doctors Yosef and Marissa posted several times a week. Finally, if you need help with your drug taper, getting a second opinion, or managing your post-acute withdrawal, come visit us at witduringpsychiatry.com. Our sole focus is on helping patients regain control of their lives and achieve optimal mental health on as little medications as possible.